What's going on, y'all? It's the Review New Podcast. I'm DJ. And I'm Will the Greatest. And this is the podcast where we typically break down a movie that gets requested by you fine folks, because that's that, that, that's what's going on right now. You know what I'm saying? That the audience is in control. You know what I'm saying? You right. you get to decide what we're what we're talking about and what we're rambling about this week. And uh, thank you so much for this week's request from Doctor Goatman. Of course, once again. <laughs> <laughs> but don't let him have all the fun. Head on down to Kofi.com/slash/rapcritic. That's K-O-F-I.com/slash/rap critic and get your movie song or a uh, music stream request in you know you can get those uh, uh twitch stream requests you can request a best of or uh, an album request you know what i'm saying i'll be taking those in and you know you know what i'm saying try to right. try to do some more live stuff for you you know what we playing these video games and, and sending these fools you know get into it <laughs> but yeah give, giving you the whole rap critic extended universe experience you know and, and you can <laughs> contribute to it so if you uh, head on over to kobe.com slash rap critic and you can hear these episodes early when you head on over to patreon.com slash rap critic so the movie we have got today to talk about is Soul Man 1986's Oh boy. Oh god. Man, uh <laughs> what okay, so it, let's <laughs> Do we want to talk about thoughts going into the movie? Like prior to <laughs> So it, I'll say this. Let me say this. It was better than I thought it was going to be. I'll yes. say that much. <laughs> I concur. I was I was fully fully when you when you asked me to to watch this one. I was fully prepared. Like, oh no, it's the 80s. Oh no. <laughs> With my lacking knowledge of the film, I hadn't seen it till you asked. I'm like, "Man, I already know how it's going to start. Why you make me watch this bullshit?" But <laughs> it it is that but to a significantly lesser degree than I thought it was going to be. Right. Now, that said, it's still not a great movie. <laughs> no. Um, I I know how to... F- Here's the thing. Fixing this movie is incredibly easy. It's mm. actually a uh, minor... This movie is a tightrope walk, and they yes. just could not stick the landing. You know what I mean? To mix my metaphors. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's it's an incredibly easy fix. It's a... It's, uh, um, and we'll, when we get into it, I'll bring it up. But it's a very, very easy fix that actually I think makes the movie funnier. Right, right. But <laughs> they didn't do that. Right. <laughs> so here we have uh, re- the reverse flash in blackface. Uh, let's stop tap dancing around it. Let's get right into it. Yes. Let, let's not stop shucking and jiving around the film. Ah, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> So the movie starts with the generic blues music it, it, and it's like this thing where like the song is playing and it's like, all right, this is, is like a, you know, typical blue type of joint. And it's like, yeah. it's, it, it's one of those things where it's like, it's the eighties and like people in Hollywood who make, you know, media that are trying to like figure out what the, the genre black people are to, for some reason, they always go back to soul from like the fifties, you know, like, you ever notice that? Like that was like a big thing in the eighties where it was just like, right. They, they love soul music. That'll 
this will get him. Yeah, th- like I noticed that. That was like like Adventures in Babysitting. All of these '80s movies where it's just like you know blues music. That's what black people are typically going to be in a club in the '80s for. It's like really. I mean, I guess maybe, but you know, <laughs> it's 1986. The Reagan years. Black people love listening to the blues. <laughs> <laughs> That's what those episodes of the Cosby Show have told me. <laughs> You know? Which makes it even more interesting that you mentioned that. One, for a line that comes later. <laughs> but uh, this is written by uh, the, the writer, Carol L. Black, ironically, was oh, wow. the creator of The Wonder Years wow. and a writer on Ellen. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's it's. I, I wanted to let you know that because it's the weirdest filmography where it's just like, oh, yeah, The Wonder Years. <laughs> this. <laughs> this is like theme from a summer place whiteness. It is. <laughs> <laughs> right and so it's just I, i'm like girl what was the when you, i sit there i'm just like mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yes so so and the movie starts it's got that you know sort of generic sort of blues music playing and then it does it does this movie no favors by doing what it ends up doing where it's like originally the music just seems like it's just happening like as the opening credits music right and then it becomes diegetic music like like, it turns off at one point, and then it turns back on, and yeah. the music is so, like, samey that it becomes immediately annoying, where you're just like, what is going on right now? Just on, like, a nerve level, this is like, what are you trying to do to me right now? It's like, is this on purpose? Like, you That's know, how like, it opens, is the text of him cutting off his alarms, and it's just the song from the opening. I, like, I think they were trying to do a cutesy, a little clever, because, like, as the movie goes on, this is a very, you know... High concept, goofy movie, sort of, uh, uh, no disrespect to the uh, goofy movie, but like, you know what I mean? In terms of like the eighties, it's a fast talking sort of like, oh, we're going to see some props and silly stuff. Like that's what the energy of the movie is trying to go for. Cause the first thing that happens right after that, like weird sort of like, oh, breaking the fourth wall music take is that like his best friend like just hops in his bed as he's like sleeping and, and like right when he finds out he's sleeping next to this like hot chick that he oh he betted last night because oh he's such a player but he's so he's such a player he doesn't even remember who that chick was you know it's that type of thing he was like oh man who's who's this tonight and it's like hey bro get out you with your balls out under the sheets because <laughs> like, i mean i i guess Positive masculinity moment, I suppose. Just our boundaries are this close. I can- dude jumps in the bed, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a fucking cat. <laughs> I guess just men very secure in their sexuality. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, hey, bro, who I know just hooked up with somebody who he doesn't remember from the night before. Guess what? The male is here. <laughs> yeah, and and they both just got accepted into college. And it's like, oh, you know, let's open it at the same time. And it's like, oh, we got accepted. Oh, it's awesome. That you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, so we're we're kind of opening up on on this movie, kind of giving you, it's like, okay, here's this guy who who's had an easy life. His his parents has paid his way for him. He, he's just getting back from this brat, you know, brat part, uh, brat frat party. It's it's exa- brat frat type of guys. It's the exact type of stereotypical sort of like, oh, look at this guy. He's just, you know, he thinks he's just going to be able to, you know, uh, cruise in his boat shoes into college on his dad's, you know, uh, trust fund. and Yeah, he's 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 entitled. He's affluent. Like, right, right. He's all, uh, high society, upper crust, but easy street. But also is giving you like just that direct kind of like, okay, we know you know what this type of movie is, but look, this character is a dick. Like we're we're right. making that very clear. You know what right. I mean? So 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 now we get to what I think is a bit of a 
messed up move on the dad's part, I do have to say, like, yeah. Can I just call this out a little bit? I agree, because, like, it's, he he blindsides him with it entirely, <laughs> when it's like, I mean, look, you made this monster. That's the thing. That's first of all. That is first of all. So yeah, I will say his dad is to blame for for the blackface that we're gonna be saying later. All right, let, let, let's say that very directly. Yeah, it ties into the end tube. I'm just like, you know, this this problem that you made is your fault, right? <laughs> yeah, like you cut. Yeah, but the thing is, like, let's just lay it out. He cuts his son off after, and let's. This is an important detail because I I had to write this down to be like, no, wait a minute. It wasn't just like, oh, when you turn 18. Uh, the assumption is that I'm just going to pay for everything. No, 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 no. The, there was money specifically designated and put aside yes. for his tuition account. Like, so it was like, oh, when I turn 18, I won't have to worry about it. Like, what any kid would want. Of course, like anyone turning you 18. You know, like, like most parents would do, save up the, the money for his college fund. And yet, what dad did instead is said, throw you out to the river, son. I'm going to get a, what was it? Not a bungalow. It was like a... A vacation home. Yes. A vacation. He used his college money that he saved for his son. Now, now here's the thing. Yeah, if, if the son had done something really shitty recently, right, then maybe it would be like, a, oh, right. you get what you deserve. And then out of desperation, he has it. But the whole idea is this movie is being written from the perspective, not of, uh, honestly, as I look at it, not of the uh, the outsider person who sees like, man, if only someone could take these rich boys down a peg or two. No, no, no. no. This movie kind of feels like it's being written from the perspective of the fathers the the the, the parents yeah who who look down on their, on their kids and go like oh if only they just quit being fail sons and just you know pull, pull their pants up and, and do what they need to do and actually care about college you know and not just throw away the money that i'm going to be spending on them if only they understood the value of hard work and that money doesn't grow on trees and it's just like but let's think about this Who's raising them like that? Right. Like, there's a direct through line here. Right. You, 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 yeah. So, so when, and also it just feels like, so you graze this guy to be this guy who doesn't really think about shit. And then the one thing that as a human being to another human being that you're raising, that you promised them money that, hey, you're going to be able to get your education. It just means you were lying to them. Like, <laughs> like that's fucked yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, you just, like, it, you, you told him this was the case all the years of it. And here's the thing. You you made up a good point. I didn't really think of it just by looking at the actors, but he's starting uh, Harvard Law. So he's like, what, late teens, early 20s at best? Sure. You made, you made this, like, he's young. Yeah, where is he going to get the money for that? Yeah. Oh, he doesn't work a job? Whose fault is that? Like, again, it's his fault and his parents for not being like, hey, you need to get a job to, you know, cover these schools that you're applying for. Right. And also, it's just like, just in general, wouldn't it be like, wouldn't you want to help your son with like applications if you're like, if the point is that, oh, I'm not going to give you the money, but, right. you know, figure out how to do th these things and maybe I can help you because like, because of course he's a daddy who already has his connections and can be like, hey, go for this or blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah no, it's just the point it, is to be like, oh, the the fantasy to be like, oh, if only I could cut my kid off and show him for a thing. Because there's a specific scene later on where the kid uh, goes to his dad's therapist to be like, oh. You know, yeah, because yeah. it was the therapist that was giving him the information of being like, hey, he's got to let his inner kid out. You know, that sort of like 80s therapy joke sort of thing, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was and that was definitely a moment where I'm just like, oh, boy, transference. There we go. 
right, right. <laughs> but yeah, so he goes to the therapist to be like, hey, you know, maybe you misinterpret, maybe he misinterpreted some things. And then, you know, the therapist is like, clearly got a bug up his butt. <laughs> and it's like, every, you know, it's like, my kid, you know, my, I got a kid that's just like you. Yeah, when he was young, you know, he asked me for the new Nintendo this. And when he came 16, he asked for the car. When he turned 24, he asked me for the condo. And the <laughs> <laughs> and it's never enough <laughs> it's like i got it for him i got him everything he wanted yeah and it's like well who got him all the shit exactly it's i'm sorry <laughs> like you on the hook bro it's it's like look i'm i'm not saying that like the kid doesn't have a responsibility to understand the value of things but who's teaching them like <laughs> sure i i just feel like he's like you know he, he's just shirking responsibility it's, it reminds me of that dad uh that military dude from the venture brothers uh who was like uh oh man you know sometimes it's just bad apples you do the best you can <laughs> yeah it's like you can we can we talk about the amount because I, I out of curiosity because let's see it was fifty three thousand nine hundred seventy nine dollars um i decided just for pure posterity's sake i'm just like man that just sounds like my college tuition. <laughs> I did the adjustment for inflation. It comes out to, by today's standards, about $148,291. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and th But that would be going to, right, Harvard, right? That's the, that's the high-end school. So now that high-end price is just the normal price for college. Good to know. <laughs> yes, that would be going to Harvard. Yeah, that that price there is like not Harvard now. That fifty-three thousand, like fifty-four thousand now, is like Harvard for a year. Yeah. Versus like the what I believe is four years, and I'm just like. <laughs> and now one of the things I hate about this movie is the editing. The cuts are so bad mm. in terms of like yeah there's a really jarring one early on yeah well when it comes to comedy like there are guys like mel brooks and guys like who understand how you know weight of the the comedic moment suspension of disbelief and how these things are supposed to work and when there are people who like aren't comedy people like uh, uh there was some movie by some guy who's like normally a respected director but he made like a comedy movie in the 80s i think it was like mm. after hours it was some movie by oh, um, okay. martin scorsese or something like that and it was one of those things where you think like Oh, it's Marcus Corsese. Of course, you want to watch this, of course. And then you watch it and you're just like, this isn't really funny. Like, these are wacky scenarios, but I'm not <laughs> actually laughing at the things that are happening. And it's like, because these guys are like more visual guys, they yeah. only think that doing something visually in and of itself is like comedy. It's like with Steven Spielberg, whenever he tries to make like a comedy movie, like that 1943 movie or whatever, mm. you know, where it's just like, you don't really know how like comedy works. You just think being big and loud is humor. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's not just sound. It's like in order for, and that, that is something about the movie. It's like, I know it's played as a, it's like, it's weird. Cause I was, I was, you can actually find the movie on YouTube. And I was reading the comments and people were like, oh, it's hysterical. Oh, it's still so funny. And I'm like, eh, uh. I, I get the jokes and I, I don't think it's a modern sensibilities thing. I think overall, one of the biggest issues with the movie is that you have to roll with the premise. Yeah. And if you don't roll with the premise, none of the jokes land. And it's yeah. like, it's a case where I'm I'm thinking about like this versus like a Tropic Thunder where I'm like, I think that movie's hysterical. 
Right. Here's the thing. Yes, that's exactly the inevitable thing that's going to come up. But it's like it really like things like this are really, really hard to deal with. And you have to have the right way to lean into it. Yeah, it's it's a hard sell. But the thing is, you can do it. Yes. It is just really fucking hard. And Robert Downey Jr. happened to balance that just fucking so. Yes. Like, you know, if it leaned one way or the other, it was going to be destroyed. But it is about the ability to do that that right like it's about taking the challenge as right. an artist if you're gonna do it <laughs> to do it right and with now, this it's just so like it feels like it throws up its hands at certain challenges and just hopes that if it's just light and goofy you'll excuse it you know like, well well part of the issue i guess if we can just dig into it is the blackface in and of itself oh it's so bad it looks like an indian man who's been out in the sun for too long like it doesn't look like a black person yeah, he look he looks ashy. He he looks ashy. Like that here's here's the thing. If I look at RDJ and Tropic Thunder and like even if I take the context under which that is made, I'm going to get some flack. <laughs> he looks like the makeup department made him look like a black guy. Right, right, right. They like he look like if you show a picture and don't tell anyone who it is and they look they're like, "Oh, that's a black dude." Yeah, yeah, don't look too hard, you know. Yeah, yeah, if it's just oh, it's on the poster. Oh, it's one of the black guys are on the poster. You know, like yeah, yeah. Right. I've had I've had family be like, "Oh yeah, that's a that's a black dude." And then like, "It's Robert Downey Jr." It's like, "Wait, really?" Look, uh, right. There's no been no makeup ever since that has been able to get something like that. I'm like, they got the like minor aspects of like how the lips go, things like the nose, ears, like skin tone, how it acts. And I don't know what makeup person did him in that movie, but they did a phenomenal job at the likes of which I have never seen since. <laughs> and, and also as well, the, the movie did a great job of like making it clear that the joke was on this method actor who's yeah, doing anything to get the part, even this thing that's clearly a bad idea. Like every yeah. black person who saw the movie got that that was the point. The joke wasn't, aren't black people silly looking? Yeah, like no, no one's found that offensive that's yeah, seen yeah, the movie. Because yeah. it's like, oh yeah, the joke is that he's an idiot who's willing to do one of the dumbest, most offensive things possible just for, like, validation and attention. Right, right. And with this movie, it's like, honestly, he looks different from, like, scene to scene. Like, no, he just looks bad <laughs> with the Jerry curl. One scene, it'll just look like they smeared on some makeup. One scene, it'll look like, he look like an 80s robot or something like that. Right? <laughs> Like, I'm like, so he just, he just was, I love the explanation too, as we're getting into it. It's like, oh, he had self tanning pills. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I, and the way <laughs> sure. it is so bad. There are two I'll suspend my disbelief for like, that. What the fuck just happened? Uh, so, so let, 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 let's, uh, let's fucking get into it as it goes on. So it really exposed, now that I think about it too, it exposes how racist people are in the movie where they look at him. And immediately, like, he's got to be some type of black. I don't like it. Like, you know how racist you have to be <laughs> to see to see the whitest features on someone that's, like, not even black, vaguely an ashen brown. <laughs> like, and just said, nah, that's too, that's a British level of, of racism. That's a royal family level of just, like, right. nah, no. <laughs> no, okay, so, so we have the really corny, cheesy joke where it's like, oh, he says, oh, it's going to be 50-something thousand dollars, and and then it looks like he's about to hang himself, but oh, he's hanging a cabbage patch doll instead. Oh, wah, wah, wah. Wah. It's so lame. It's just like, okay. And it's like, honestly, I mean, if you have cabbage patch dolls, wait, weren't those actually pretty valuable back then? Because sold some of those. Yeah. 
And just him going through all the ideas like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do, which is like, I mean, getting a job just never crossed your mind. Did it? And yeah, he just get never, right past is like, like, no, no, that's, that's <laughs> stop telling jokes, Gordo. Like, <laughs> working. No, he does the, he, you know, makes the calls and it is like, uh, so what do they say? You know, after after you called the, you know, the financial aid people, it's like uh, it says it's for people whose parents are poor, not for people whose parents are assholes. <laughs> Which, that is like a decent joke. <laughs> it's like, all right, that is true. His dad is an asshole. So. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, yes, his dad is an asshole. But the so it's, like, it's like, fair. at least they were honest. It's like, yeah, they're, sorry, bud. <laughs> it is what it is. Right, right. So, and, and here's the thing. They, when it gets to that point, like, it's like after the whole, like, he cusses out, the, the, the therapist cusses him out. Yeah. He, you know, he, he like, there's one scene where they kind of are looking up some options for, like, oh, should I go with this or go with that? This is one thing when they're like, oh, best, uh, something about, like, best uh, grades in L.A. And, you know, if, if it's not in L.A., uh, for the top five students, then we'll search elsewhere if they don't meet the qualifications. But it's like... Uh, right, 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 right. It, but uh, he looks at the article. His friend looks at the article and shows it to him, hey, what about this one? He goes like, ah, b- top five best black students, you dumbass. And so that scene goes by, but it's kind of like a couple of minutes pass, and then when the transformation moment happens... Oh, it was, it was a jump scare. Yeah, it, <laughs> but they don't even set it up like a... Oh hey, like he looks back at the article, like oh wait a minute, like you don't even remember that he's still thinking about it when it happens. It just kind of like it goes to the next scene, and it's just like you're hired, and like it just jump cuts. Yeah, it ties into what you said about the editing in it, where it's like I literally got jump scared by blackface. I'm like ah oh Jesus, okay, that's that's the look we're going for, huh? That's who. <laughs> <laughs> And they were clearly relying on that moment of the, here's the camera cutting to him. Right. For for the audience. Like, I could imagine the audience moment of going, ah! <laughs> like, the honestly, it's like, it's the laugh, but it's more the scared laugh than anything. <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> yeah, like, ah! Ah, ha, 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 What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> right, Jesus. right. Because it's just so, like, glaring, just... <laughs> It's like it, it's staring you in the face, and it's just like c- c- congratulations. Here, like literally, the premise. And it's like, oh god, okay, exactly. And I, I just, I just don't think you ever settle into it because it just looks so bad the whole time. Yeah, yeah. It's kind and of so- past offense. Like I wasn't offended by it because it's just so bad. It's like uh, right. It's th- th- there's a level past offensive where it's just like I'm just disappointed in you, movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I. Well, I've never met any. Any uh, black person that looks like a nuclear blast survivor, so like, it, <laughs> he's so right. That's what it looks like. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to you and your fellow ash shadow people, but sir. Oh no. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like it's it's like I'm not offended. It's dumb, but it's like I'm not like oh man, that's not right. No, with that goofy ass Jerry curl and that spray tan skin. Um. Oh my God! Because it's the '80s, you know. They, and they just kind of like do it with a one-off line, like, "Oh, there's this new product line of tanning pills, uh, yeah, magic Australian experimental tanning pills." I'm like, "Sure." Like, what? Like, no, you can't just rattle off that line like that. <laughs> that that sci-fi experiment. Apparently, that was set up earlier. I missed pass it in the party scene. Where? They're talking with an Australian guy. The only reason I know is because I was watching a review after I watched it. Oh, 
oh, that one guy earlier in the movie, I guess. Where he's just like, I work for a tanning company. With the, and it's like, oh, okay, he got... it's Again, it's like the scholarship thing. Like, it's set up, but it's very much a you're not paying much attention to it because you're not thinking that's the thing that comes back. Yeah, they never give it... Well, because the way they set it up, they never have the moment where he connects the dots. It just becomes... Right. Now he's black. What do I do? Smash cut. Now he's accepted into college. And it's just like, he's just accepted? Like, and it seems like the little bit of a joke of like, Oh, you know, it, like it's that Reagan 80s thing of like, well, if we're, you know, if a black guy wants to apply to college, they're just going to let him in, right? You know, it seems to be like, oh, a little bit of that side joke in there, you know? Right. It's, yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, let's put, make this jab at affirmative action, that right, thing that right, historically right. really hasn't. Yeah, it, well, what's so funny about historical uh, uh, affirmative action? I remember, like, right as a kid being like, it's such a big deal. Oh, it's this big thing. And, oh, are we gonna, giving black people unjust, you know, like, uh, uh, right. moves ahead. And then when you look at it, it's just like, well, if there are two students that are the absolute best and it's two of them and one of them happens to be black, eh, just give it to the black student. Like, so you have to be at the highest level yeah. of being the best, and then maybe the maybe they'll consider doing the coin flip to give it to you. Yeah, it's just like that's not an advantage. <laughs> no, that's one. That's that's having like historical gains being individualized. You know, like and and like to the to the testament of something that's even addressed uh, later on in the movie about having to work like twice as hard. And that trust me, as someone that has attended several private schools. That shit is very real. <laughs> so just because you get the opportunity to attend does not mean that there is not an entire ecosystem unto itself of difficulty. Now it's like, congratulations, you're now at the highest, uh, highest like rank that you can be. You have to hit a, now you're dealing with a whole different class of racism. Right. It better prove that you're still cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you, congrats. You've entered new racism, systemic racism, which is a lot quieter. <laughs> you know, where you're being watched and graded at every moment. Yeah, it's like, it's like, congrats. <laughs> to make sure you're not an example of one of them taking advantage of the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, even if you lucked your way in, I don't think people take into account, congrats, you get in a whole new realm of bigotry. Systemic bigotry. Oh, shit. <laughs> you so, so worry about the loud ones, you forgot about the quiet ones. <laughs> but I think, like, I think I at least like the idea of pushing back on, like, at the very least, what the movie kind of sets up to knock down is the idea of, oh, there's the joke of, well, black people have it easier these days, right? It's the 80s, and of course they have it easier. It's the 80s! Oh, wait, no, what was the line? Oh, my God, because I loved it. Oh, it, it, oh yeah, it's it's the 80s. It's the Cosby era. Everybody loves black people. I'm like, that's a statement that only has gotten funnier with time. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, damn it. Th yeah, th this is the 80s, man, the Cosby decade. Everybody loves black people. I'm like, wow. Who that one didn't age quite so well. <laughs> I'm like, how did a sentence just get funnier with every year since like, oh, it's the Reagan era, baby. Everybody loves Bill Cosby. This is the best time to be black. It's like, right. <laughs> man. On every level, no. <laughs> on every level, no. <laughs> Now, and but like I said, they at least like set up and give credibility to the stakes of like, right? No, it's not actually easier being a black person. They they have him experience hardships. Like they bring up the specific point. Actually, at the very beginning, it's the friend who says it. It's like you can't just take a scholarship away from a black person. 
<laughs> right. Like, I, I'll give them this much credit when he first shows up fully blackenized, I guess. Um, uh-huh. Blackenated. Is, uh, yeah, black, mel- not even melanated, just literally black, pigmented. Um, he's like, hey, man, I don't know. This This might not be such a good idea. Like, he legit tries to talk him out of it. He's like... I don't know, bro. This might be a bad idea. Don't you think this is wrong? He's like, oh, it'll be fine. It's like, <laughs> okay. He just like brushes. I'm like, well, at least he tried. Oh, although I love later on. I love how later on, like the friend might honestly be the best guy in the movie. Yeah. He's just like, he'd just be like, man, why didn't you talk me out of this? It's just like, I mean, honestly, he did. I wouldn't want you to talk me out of every bad decision I made. So, you know, I just, <laughs> I just kind of thought of it the same way. <laughs> and when I heard that line, I'm like, that's funny, but he did. Right when you right when you showed up as a black guy, he literally says, hey, I think this is a bad idea. <laughs> he says it straight to your face and you're just like, ah, it'll be all fine. Four years of being black, yeah. how bad can it be? <laughs> yeah, he tries to do that cutesy thing when he's like, uh, when his friend is like on a run, he's going for a jog. And then he comes up to him black and just kind of like runs up in his face and be like, hey, look at me. And he's like, I don't know who you are. Right. No fear. I give him credit. He didn't he didn't react that crazy to a black guy like running behind him, beside him, in front of him. He's just like, hey, Gordo. He's like, whoa. (laughs) If anyone came up to me saying my name, looking vaguely like a race swapped uh, person, I know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Looking like the episode of Family Guy where Peter and Cleveland just forced the race swap. Dude, I, I would be thinking some us shit was happening. It's like, have you been us? <laughs> right. It's like, oh God, what tether is this? What happened to you? Yeah, exactly. Have you been reverse race tethered? <laughs> right. It's like, oh my God, they pigmented him. He got reverse mic. What was it? Reverse vitiligo. Yeah. <laughs> he got got. <laughs> But yeah, so, so, and and can I just say, when they're driving around, you know, getting all the applications or whatever, the Soul Man song that they're playing, does something sound wrong with it to you? Like, it sounds like one of the guys is like not on beat and just like not happy about it. He's like, (laughs) there's the lyrics I say, and this is the thing. Like, he sounds like he's like not in the right key, not in the right time. It's like, I don't remember this being the first. Maybe it was a different cover. I... Yeah, I was like, could they not afford the official one? I was like, what are you doing? I think I missed it just watching, yeah, just watching events unfold with the uh, unfortunate looking, like, almost. He, he looked like a sweaty Hawaiian guy, and it was really sad to watch. <laughs> the, okay, there, there was a line there that made me laugh. The insistence on the term... A black Negro. Yeah, they you know. Saying, I was like, I thought they were gonna make some sort of joke. It was like, as opposed to a white Negro. <laughs> right. I'm just. That's what I'm sitting. I'm like, that's why I'm like, well, it's low key funny because like, a uh, black Negro implies a whole universe of other Negroes, white Negroes, Asian Negroes, oh, right, a rainbow Negroes, <laughs> land Negroes, sand Negroes, water Negroes, the sea grows. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Avatar. Oh, sea Negroes. The lava Negroes. Oh. Ah, uh, yes. The earth Negroes. <laughs> the black <laughs> black guitar. The last race bender. Oh, my Lord. It would be some race bending going on in this fucking movie, isn't it? Oh, yeah. There <laughs> oh, my God. Bending snapped it right now. Man, so it's just, you see Leslie Nielsen, and I just, <laughs> I just wrote the word sigh. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> oh, when I saw his name in the opening credits, I, that that was one of my first notes. I'm like, boy, this cast is crazy. Oh, this can't be happening. Yeah, James Earl Jones, no, Radon Chong, what are you doing to me? This cast is absolutely insane. Right, it's like Radon Chong, James Earl Jones. I, I, I texted my boy a couple clips from the movie. He's like, how? How did they get? I'm like, I don't know what they said. What did they what did they say to get them? Like James Earl Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, James Earl Jones is in this movie. The James Earl Jones. He, he, he's gotta be like, what did they do? What did they give him? Did they just back up a dump truck of money to his house? I can't imagine any, the, the you know what I mean? Like, cause you know they had to get him to be like, we've got to try to get, give some weight to this movie you know some respectability to this movie that that was my note a note i had i'm like every black person in this movie what did they say to get them to say yes what could you have possibly said as a pitch where it's like it'd be like you know what i can't be in the same scene i can't actually be in the same shot with this guy i get like we could cut to him and then cut to me i think there's one time at the end where he shakes his hand but <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the the only one who really shares it with him is like Radon Chan. Oh man. It's like I can't be seen in the same like frame as him unless he's in motion of some sort like the basketball scene. Oh Jesus Christ. Oh, oh the, now, uh, we, we'll get to that in a second because I did think that was a little funny at least having like the subversion of oh he can't actually play basketball and so the joke is that he's pathetic and oh yeah yeah well yeah we'll get to that in a second which i'm just like saw that coming but yeah exactly but just starting with the leslie nielsen it's just like oh whatever and, and like you know at first the opposition he comes up against is the the the, the white guys offhandedly telling the racist jokes which i will say like at first felt corny but i actually liked how it graded on his nerves <laughs> <laughs> to where, like, it, it became almost a meme of, like, now you know how it feels, white boy. Ooh, we, uh. <laughs> hey, man. No offense, right? Also, that the first, uh, one of the first jokes they, they said had one about, like, a, what was it? Um, what do you call, like, uh, one white guy with a, around a thousand black people was like warden. I'm just like, God damn. <laughs> I was like, shit, that was really heavy. Ooh. I was like, whoa, that came in heavy and hot. Yeah. And then what was the one? It was just like, how do wh- how many Negroes do you need to screw in a light bulb? And it was like, one to screw the light bulb and the other to drive a pink Ferrari off of da 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 da. Jesus Christ. And one to racist stereotype, blah, 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 blah and so on and so forth. <laughs> <laughs> the the other one that that was like um what like what did the the black guy say that was going to the like sterile urology he's like oh if oh, if, if he's one. impotent yeah. I'm impo- I'm like these are like oh my lord if it, if I'm gonna be impotent I want to dress impotent oh lord like these jokes that sound like they're from the fucking twenties <laughs> yeah I'm like these are here's the thing they're clever but god damn it's like I'm like I, it's like it's a clever joke it's a very clever joke. But holy shit! <laughs> well, it, it's it's one of those like yeah, like oh, these are the you know the oh, you're not supposed to say these type of jokes. Like the the, the point is that they're really sneering. Yeah, but it's like I don't know, man. This, this it's somewhat like a, a racist crafted this like a blade in a cave. Like I'm like you put some deep thought. Like that's a it's like a systemic racism joke that's executed in two sentences. <laughs> Like you hit every point of racism. You made to hit the five the five points of racism. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like you studied racism from the root. Like Clang oh, I'm gonna get him with this one. Clang a warden. And the thing is, like, they hit so hard that it's kinda like it kind of became a meme the way the right. black, black it, dude looks. <laughs> he has to look after a while. Cause it's just like, oh god. Cause it's so like, cause it, you can feel the pointedness of it. It's just like, yeah, now it's about you. You know, there's something about that. Like now that it's about you, you can't escape it sort of thing. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, welcome to the team, buddy. Uh, <laughs> all that privilege gone. <laughs> exactly. We've got jackets. Yeah. But, um, oh, James O'Jones, he shows up in it. It fucking hurts. But. Like, he's acting his ass off to get through this, because the idea is... He's, he's great! You know, he's the hard-ass... Yeah! You know, tactician who's like, you know, you will... You, when you join my class, everyone will get an A, and there will be no, you know, excuses, you know? <laughs> he's, he's like, great in the... in the So, oh, there, there's a note I had. It was between the garden party and the introduction to uh, James L. Jones' professor. Um... Uh, I noted, I could already hear the concept of double consciousness echoing faintly in this garden party. Something about that whole scene was, um, oh God, what's his name? James Baldwin's, is it James Baldwin's concept of double consciousness for black people? I think that's him, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm just like watching him navigate being black in a public forum and how people respond. I'm just like, if the movie was smarter, you'd be able to do that. Right. Unfortunately, it's not. So all you get is like the sp- the sprinklings of it i'm like it's there and i can see it because i've been there yeah it's like it's a fisher price my first racist experience that's what this movie is right it's like but i wish they could have like pulled it out for white people but i'm just like damn it it's like like how does it feel to specifically know you're being otherized you know like yeah yeah to like and to see it happen in real time as it escalates throughout the movie like there's there's a whole i mean i think that's kind of the core theme is about just like navigating white spaces with an air of double consciousness from the perspective of somebody that doesn't have that Mm. but (laughs) it it just it doesn't exactly do that it doesn't land it it like fumbles lands on its ass spins around a little bit slips fall lands again and then stands up like it it got it perfectly the first time exactly oh my god the way this movie ends is just pathetic (laughs) but uh, (laughs) it's it's wild well we'll get there right so so he hears about the black lawyers association uh his white friend tells him the militant i hear they're a militant group oh hell Oh, I was dying. <laughs> yeah. So he goes in there all overdressed, you know, with the militant pants looking like a member of fucking uh, uh, Public Enemies S1Ws, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that that actually did get a laugh at me. I'm like, ah! I'm like, see, I'm like, see, see, double consciousness because your first thought when your first thought when you hear militant is aggressive. And it's like, I get it, the, a lot of Panthers dress like that, but why would you not want to blend in? And, and so what's actually funny about that moment is he gets embarrassed because when he like he swings open the doors and everyone's just dressed normally, right. he's just like, oh, oh, did anyone order a pizza? <laughs> like Now he looks goofy as shit. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it doesn't land like as, like it's not like a, Oh, like to me, it, it wasn't like hilarious rip roaring joke, but I like the idea of like no, no. him getting the egg on him, on his face in trying to like basically that the stereotypes that he assumes to be with like blackness and being down and being thrown in his face where he's the butt of the joke, you know, like that's a good sort of like flip at least. 
Yeah. Yeah. On, on both sides. Yeah. Where it's like, he's the butt of the joke to white people and he's insulting to, to black people. Like, I think the, the note I had about the militant line. Right. Right. Like he's failing at doing the blackness, you know, like, yeah. Right. So, so it's like, it's a good joke. It's a great joke even with like the discount shaft music behind it. But it just like, <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's, it's a clever joke. But for some reason, it's just not hitting. I think the movie wants it to. And it's just it's because it's still rooted in that core premise. And the premise just doesn't land. Yeah, yeah. And um, then we get to the next part, which is a little better if just going on just too long. Yeah. Uh, the sort of like, oh, he's dra- they're doing basketball teams and everyone wants him because he's the black guy. And, you know, like, yeah. Yep. That, that, was, a, that was my note uh, during the scene was today during basketball, Mark discovers microaggressions. <laughs> what they are and how they feel (laughs) like i do like a little bit of how like they they, how the two guys are trying to act civil about it but how they eventually like no no he's he's on my team god damn it (laughs) yeah they start actually fighting (laughs) actually no hey he's gonna be on my team i'm just like oh boy y'all are in for an awakening (laughs) yeah that was the funniest part to me like that was funnier to me than the the pratfall gags you know that came afterwards you know what i mean oh yeah like that the whole basketball scene was because vi- it was it's slow motion too it went on way too long yeah yeah so things are kind of belabored yeah yeah just just for a bunch of visual gags i'm like i i get it but this is like a cool two minutes with a song playing i'm just like was it just b-roll that you had we're like we gotta we gotta make it a, like a little over 90 minutes somehow you know we had to have this scene in the movie, you know, like, yeah. I along the black guy that is good at basketball, too. Yeah, we then come across, oh, God, another person, uh, uh, Louis... Uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus, that's right. Dreyfus from fucking Seinfeld, like, God damn it, this, why are you guys in this movie? Oh, this, oh, that's weird. This is the third time in four months that I've seen Julia Louise Dreyfus play somebody vaguely racist. <laughs> that it's weird that it happened twice. It's weirder that I've seen it three times because there's she's in Black Panther and she's in that new movie, You People. <laughs> this is the third time in like less than four months I've seen her play someone vaguely racist. That's really weird that it happened that many times. So so back to back. <laughs> Huh? Look, she she's being typecast. You know, it's it, it's what happens after a while. You know, I'm I'm a little worried now because I hope that's not telling about anything that I need to know. Uh, <laughs> it's weird that it happened two times. Yeah, and she also plays like the yuppie neighbors in that uh and the Christmas Vacation movie, doesn't she? I think she does. It's mm, very strange. But so so they come across yeah. Uh, they come across uh uh like uh, J- Julia Louise Dreyfus's character knows. The main character from like from high school from his white days <laughs> yeah exactly so that he has to like put on glasses and like you know pretend like you know he do- pretends to be blind blind and dumb <laughs> yeah yeah kind of kind of deaf because it comes back later i'm just like yeah yeah it's like wait, oh yeah she's whispering is he blind yeah but thinking he's deaf <laughs> It's like, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, and also he's from Canada and he's a Mountie and it just, it just gets so complex that it actually like, it just doubles over and just becomes funny by proxy with just how much detail there is. Yeah. His name, Kareem Abdul Ali, uh, which I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I just love the bare bones change there. Just Kareem Abdul Ali. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, Kareem Abdul Ali. 
and they just roll with it. But it's that was that was what got me is like she whispered to um whoever the dude was next to him who's shows up earlier is like the other douchey guy, or she's just like. Is he blind? Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, if he's blind, bitch, he can hear. Like, it's just such a silly scene. <laughs> right? I'm just like, um. I also do kind of like this part when he comes across the, the white woman who just wants to use him as like a racial project and a sexual object. Oh, Whit- Whitney. Oh, God. There's a lot Whitney has later on. They sent me to the spirit realm. <laughs> Wait, with the Native American dude? No, no, no. I, 400 years of oppression with oh, every thrust. No. I, I said that like, to everyone I know, here. and they're like, oh my God, what is this? That was so much. Because, like, and I actually, I was like, oh my God, she's trying to fuck her way into civil rights. But I, I actually really kind of liked how her character was used in that, like... Oh, yeah. Again, the commentary is on these exploitative white people yes. who, you know, yeah, want to act like they're down, but just for the the poverty tourism of it, you know? Like, aren't I a great person? Because, I, But then when you actually, like, break it down, it's like, oh, wait, you're just seeing these people, you're just seeing black people as, like, things, people to observe and then get your, you know, jollies out of yeah, them. Yeah, concepts. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I, we'll, we'll get into that, especially with the dinner scene. It's still otherizing in its own way. You know, yeah, it, it comes out. I think that the the best and most succinct with the dinner. We'll get to that in a second. But I don't like the dinner scene because it just amounts to nothing. Oh yeah, it's super obvious. Like I get what they're trying to do, but I just wish it actually was like. St- I wish it had some sort of narrative through line instead of it just being cutaways. Because it just it felt like a Family Guy gag after a while. You know, we're just like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. No, like the the the. I guess if we if we talk because it's tied directly to, to Whitney's character. Um, which oh yeah, one of the notes I have. Uh, fucking a black guy for clout is such a white feminist move. Is one note I have. Yeah, no. Um, the movie is a little smarter than it looks and a little dumber to it. So every hallucination. I'll give them this bare bones of a compliment. It does a good job at kind of highlighting how different white elites will view black people. Yes, I so did it's like, that. like women will see like this gentle savage, the Mandingo. Youth see entertainment with the little brother, and then men see threats. Right, the prince, the se- yeah, sexually cool guy, you know, yeah. Yeah, and then men men see threats. They're like pimps, drug dealers, and nefarious ne'er-do-wells. So it's like, which is delivery. Right, who's going to, yeah, pump my daughter with a welfare baby. Yeah, you know. So it's like every perspective from the elites is all these very, they're negative, terrible stereotypes, but they're different ones in very specific ways. Yeah, and... and- and I feel like if you were to clip this movie out of context, which I feel like is what was kind of the reputation before. Right. It's just kind of, what? Can you believe this movie that does blackface is also showing him as a, you know, watermelon eating pimp? But it's like, yeah. the specific context of that is to make fun of the dad who's having these stereotypical, right. you know what I'm saying, beliefs, right? Like, but what, th- this is what I didn't like though. I didn't like how it didn't come together. They don't end up treating him any specific way because of the stereotypes that they have, right? As the like, it just cuts to the next scene afterward. No, they they get they get really quiet, if anything. Yeah, it's anticlimactic. Yeah, they don't. It never ends up being like, oh, he talks to him like this because of his assumptions. It just kind of does the flashes and then cuts to the next scene, and it's like, okay, well, that just didn't really 
You know what I'm saying? It was just kind of laying them out just to lay them out, you know? Yeah, yeah, because, like, like multiple times in it, uh, Leslie Nielsen gives him, like, the, the white guy smile. He mostly avoids him. Yeah. Throughout most of his interactions. They don't really have too many direct one-on-one engagements with, with one another. So it's like, it It ultimately is like, set, I, I guess if you look at it from like Whitney and her family's point of view is like their adjacency to black people is rooted in stereotypes. So like how she views them is just going to be, I want to save the Negroes. Like um, <laughs> one, one lay at a time, <laughs> like her mom would. Yeah. I just wish it would have amounted to like, Oh, the dad. It, it just doesn't. It just doesn't go anywhere, other than just like a, a cutaway joke, where it's like that doesn't help with the overall. Because the movie, let's be real, the movie's for white people, right? <laughs> it's it has a white writer. It has a white direct. I mean, that's one of the biggest flaws. But also, like the audience is not. It's not for black people. It's trying to build a bridge between black and white without really really any input from black and white people aside from like Radon Chong. And James Earl Jones. Yeah, that that becomes the issue, right? Like, so it, it it's coming from a starting place of, you know, hey, you guys going to see '80s sex comedies? You think being black would actually be easier? Well, we're gonna teach you a thing or two. Yeah, it's it's actually not as fun as you think. And it's like, which yeah, like it tries, but I just really wish it actually dug in deeper. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because there is a Wayne's Brothers version of this movie that could have worked. You know, at, at their height, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and we'll get into that in, in a second. But it's just like, I mean, you know, not 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 when they're not at their height, which was white chicks. But like, if it was like the '80s, I could imagine. Right. You know what I'm saying? A young, uh, a young uh, uh, shot. Uh, uh, in Living Color era, Wayne's Bros probably could have pulled this off pretty well. Yeah, I could imagine a young uh, uh, Keenan Ivory Wayne's, you know what I'm saying, really flipping this and doing something crazy with it, you know? And it would have been funny. Yeah, like a, like Jim Carrey is the lead, but okay, so I, I guess I'll... Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> they might have been... He's so wacky and so goofy at his height. Yeah. He might have just been able to pull that shit off. <laughs> And now, now I'll say, I'll say how to fix it. I'll, I'll say it now. How you fix the movie, it's very easy. Every scene where white people are supposed to be seeing Mark is black, just have a black actor. Oh, right. Where is this like, huh? Every scene where Mark is supposed to be white, he's, he's just himself because the whole movie is just like, if he, now, like if he's with his best friend, he's white Mark. If he's out in the world, he's black Mark. Because they see him as black. It's it's the same thing I would have done with that movie Passing. Mm. Where it's like, because of... It, it's about optics. And like social perception. So if you're perceived as black, because you look black to a bunch of white people, get a black actor. Because that's what they... That's how that scene... Imagine how that scene would have been pulled off if instead just like you have white ass Mark who knows he's white, but it's a black guy sitting at the d- dinner table. It's a black guy in these stereotypical outfits. Mm. Then you see how freaking outlandish it looks instead of a white guy. So it's like, even with the, you keep the premise, basically this, I think this movie could do a remake that could be well, but you need black people to write it. Mm-hmm. Not Kenya Barris, not, <laughs> not Tyler Perry. Let me say that right now before he gets any ideas. Not Kenya Barris, not Tyler Perry. Yeah. You need someone like funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like Donald Glover could probably pull it off. Oh, Donald Glover would low-key destroy a movie concept like this. Like Jordan Peele could pull it off. Um, Nia DaCosta could maybe pull it off. Man, look, 
dog, if it was a collabor, it would take, it would take nothing less than the two of them. It would take a team. <laughs> Cause like, if you heard there's a Soul Man remake, automatically you're off. But if you heard, from the mind, from the insane minds of Jordan Peele and Donald Glover, yeah. you'd have that s scratching your tin roller of hmm. <laughs> starring Donald Glover. Yeah, yeah, like directed by Jordan Peele, uh, written by Donald Glover, shot by freaking uh, Gina Prince by the wood, like. <laughs> oh my god, and and and, and starring uh, DC Young Fly. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Can, you can't tell me that's not a smash. <laughs> it's Tom Holland and DC Young Fly. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> hey, I made it into Harvard Law School. Hey, man. <laughs> man, have we just created the new money talks? Have we just. <laughs> Oh my lord! It was it was like that it was like that uh, Pretty Woman remake I pitched you with Cardi B and Will Smith. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's it, it, isn't that weird that Will Smith is the reason that that movie couldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> of all the controversies, weirdly enough, Will is the, the issue there. But no, yeah, get, just like getting getting back to the the movie and shit. It's like yeah, the, I, I'll say this: his delivery of the pimp did actually get a laugh out of me. Like, go get my go get my hair and my hypodermic needles, bitch. Yes, that is. <laughs> what you looking at? That was one of the few moments I'm like, God damn it, that was like, okay. He was, you got one movie. <laughs> there, there are some moments where he pulls off the blackness for a couple of seconds. He does. <laughs> and it kind of makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, because I'm just like, because he's not bad in terms of his acting. It's just such a weird thing that he's told to do with it, with like a shitty Jerry curl and and like ash chestnut skin. But then you just have his feet up, biting and chewing watermelon, spitting out seeds. And he's like, go get me my heroin and my hypodermic needles, bitch. What the hell are you looking at? <laughs> And I'm just like, on the one hand, this is offensive. On the other hand, the delivery was on point. Right. I can't act like they didn't get me, though. Like, call me a sellout. I can't act like they didn't get me on that one. Did you notice that, like, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm crazy. But the whole movie, whenever he has to black it up, quote unquote, he's just Chris Rock. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Chris Rock before Chris Rock. <laughs> No, but like if how he sounds, the way he acts, hey man, get down, get down. I'm like, he's he turned into Chris Rock. That's really weird. Get down and get with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, he just turned into Chris. That's weird. I don't know if, if it's just me, but it's weird. He just turned into Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Oh, is Chris Rock stealing his gimmick from yo, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but uh, yeah. So so he he has sex with that with that white chick. Uh, you know, at, to to where he forgets to study with Radon Chong, which is like okay, that's real. That's literally on you. You could have remembered to do that. That had nothing to do with. Yeah, you just fucked up. Like you deserve all the mail. And in fact, this is probably the exact direct reason why he doesn't deserve to get with her in the end. Fuck the blackface, which is also pretty bad. Yeah, but like yeah, man, that's a fumble. That's a fumble, bro. The white girl will be there. Yeah, but in addition to... Yeah, lying on top of lying. Let's say that. 
Right. <laughs> it's like, you're not only lying about your race, but also... Yeah. Like, it's like fumbling Ray Don Chong for the girl that you already know is to sleep with. Bro, she'll be there. You'll be fine. She'll be back. Like, she doesn't live far, clearly. And so it comes to another scene of the white guys, you know, joking, you know, on black people. And it's like, there's something kind of cathartic about seeing this white guy just... That needs to be a meme. The faces he makes where he's just so just like, God damn it. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this is how it feels. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, exactly. It's the Batman. So that's what that feels like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So so he's he's driving down the street, uh, and there's a cop that s- seems like he's getting a little close, and he's just like, "What the hell? What's going on?" Oh, the cop scene! <laughs> it happened right on time. Yeah, he turns right when someone happens to be like opening a door, and he goes like, "Whoa!" He swerves out of the way, and the cop is like, "Woo woo woo!" You know, pulls him over. Hey, hey buddy, caught you. You didn't uh, you didn't signal when you turned there into the next lane. It's like, oh, you know, come on, it's not that big of a deal. There was someone coming. And, uh, you know, the cop, of course, doesn't want to hear it. So, like, he immediately gets thrown in jail. And this is the part where it gets, <laughs> they just go all the way in. But in a way where they just, like, it, it still kind of ruins the stakes because somehow he's still able to get back to class the next day. Like, yeah, I don't the- know. I don't know how he got out because it's not like he has any money. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, he does, I guess. But, but I mean, maybe he called his dad. But uh, so, but it was just like he, he gets thrown into the slammer, turns around. Bunch of guys wearing green and clearly look like, look like they're, you know, for an Irish team or something like to that effect. Right. And it's just like, oh, hey, uh, you know, uh, game went bad, I suppose. And he's like, yeah, we lost the game to a bunch of niggas. And then they like close <laughs> it on him. It's like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. I'm <laughs> like, one of those. <laughs> like they really, like that was the one scene where it was just like they went in so hard on like giving this guy the you know the it's this is the looney tunes type punishment so you want to be black hey eh? you know <laughs> the the weird twilight zone i've been black for 48 hours i didn't know it was this bad yeah exactly that's what it is it's the twilight zone <laughs> yeah so but the thing is he comes into class with, uh, he can't really say black eyes because it, it, he already looks like he has a fake thing on uh, uh, per- uh, he, He's disheveled and beaten, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Maybe they just don't notice the beatings because he already looks like he's bruised. Like, you know? Also, like, the the way it's edited, just because it cuts to, like, three days late. The pacing of this movie is insane. Um, but it's like, it cuts to what is probably like three days later where he's still very destroyed, but it seems like he ran out of the jail and into the university. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they have him like sliding across like it's fucking, uh, Tom Cruise in the, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like he slides on the floor and is like running up to the classroom. I'm like, Oh, he's late. It's not like he just got out. Like, it's Tom Cruise and Risky Business up this bitch. Yeah. And that's what they said. They have a line where they say, oh, it's been 18 hours. I was like, okay, 18 fucking hours. Now, first of all, like, can I just say, I get it. James Earl Jones is supposed to be a hard ass, but like, god damn. (laughs) Like, he showed up with cuts on his face. (laughs) Make sure that you're on time to my class. And it's like. It's like, Jesus Christ. 
I'm like, I mean, you can see he got he got kind of fucked up. So like this man could have an arm missing and he'd be like, I don't know. You still got three. You still got two legs, bitch. You could have walked your ass to my class. Right. It's like you couldn't call into the classroom. <laughs> you had one call, don't you? Exactly. It's like, damn. Oh shit. That would have so cool. <laughs> Because he literally says, yeah, yeah, you got one phone call, don't you? And he goes like, uh, here's my phone number. Next time call me, I'll send you your books so you can study. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he he did make an interesting point, though, where it's like, because that's the scene um, after the class where he brings up the twice as hard line. And I'm just like, wow, who told them about that? <laughs> I didn't know why people know about that. Right. Well, see, that's the thing where it's like, I, I'm kind of grappling a little bit where it's just like the fact that it brings that point up to be like, you have to work twice as hard. And it's this black man who's a hard ass saying, like, you don't get any excuse, you know, like. Yeah, it's like, I don't, it's like, I don't know your background, but it's like, you don't get a pass because you know that you have to work twice. And like, it, again, every scene that James Earl Jones has is great. <laughs> it It's weird. Yeah, so it's like, it's kind of like, and, 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 so it's like the fact that it's so comically built up is like, okay, obviously this guy is having a hard time, even if he, like, regardless of if he, he was black or white, if you get thrown in jail and get the crap beaten out of you, come on, you want some leniency. And I think, like, it tries to make that point of being like, these are the type of hardships that a black person would go through more typically than the average white person, and yet they're still expected. Yeah, yeah, you, you don't get benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's one of those things where it's like, I... I, I see what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, I see what they're doing. It it, ha it has little moments where you're like, huh, movie? Wow. That was, you You were actually on to something there. And back to the jokes. All right. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it, like, right before the scene cuts, this is like, oh, and Mr. Watson, have a nice Thanksgiving. <laughs> and then it cuts to, like, you know, I'll be home for Christmas. You know, like, yeah, and he's having, like, a fucking hungry man dinner by himself. <laughs> right, got a cold-ass meal. And now, what was that? There was, uh, there was a song, uh, Louis Armstrong, uh, song Sashmo was playing. Y'all heard that? Where it was like, yeah, what was a black, like black, white, and blue or something like that? Yeah, what was that one lyric where it's like, he's like, I'm white inside, but that don't matter. I was like, whoa, what is this? These lyrics are a little. On the <laughs> nose. Like, These lyrics are a little too real for what's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I know I haven't listened to a lot of Louis Armstrong, but no one's ever told me about this track. Yeah, exactly. I think we just found a hidden gym. What the fuck? Yeah, that that is a weird compliment. I'll give the movie. I I liked most of the music that it used. Yeah, I, I, weirdly after the Soul Man, after the fake ass Soul Man, <laughs> they can afford this one. I yeah, everything else is pretty good, which was confusing. It's like I'm like, yeah, I kind I kind of miss. Oh, uh, movies that had like music montages because the music's legit good. Yeah. Now I will say, so they have the they have to have the scene where you know he always oh, making it up to Radon Chong so that they have the study yeah. session. It's the montage. Can I just say the music that they use in this montage is just so cheesy. Like it's just so. Oh, it is overloading on the 80s cheese. It's beautifully cheesy, though. I thought it was cute. But it's one of those things where, like, you know they're doing it on purpose because it's like, this song's working overtime to make up for it. Like, dude, guys, we know this concept's all fucked up, man, but look, see how in love they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We gotta, we gotta speed run, uh... <laughs> This romance. This magic, this uh, love is magic, guys. <laughs> love can make you see the racist, uh, uh, you know, fucking makeup. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. You just reminded me of Neo Ned. Oh. Neo Ned? 
Oh boy, that's that's a whole different bag of cats. Uh, if anyone listening asked to review Neo Ned, I will do the episode with you because. Oh no, where are you taking me? Short version. Uh, Gabrielle Union falls in love with a neo Nazi because she's in a mental asylum and believes she's Hitler. No. I will tell you that's just the premise. I'm not going to tell you anything else. Ethan Supley, no. <laughs> it's. It's. <laughs> Gabrielle Union and Jeremy Renner, baby. Jeremy Renner, no. 2005. Oof. Oof. <laughs> oh, man. Let's stop thinking about that now. <laughs> yeah. Let, back, back, to, back to something much more lighthearted. Blackface in, in an interracial... I, I guess inter... <laughs> a a, a, a same-race relationship. <laughs> you can't win. <laughs> Oof. Of some sort. <laughs> oh man, a deceptively racist relationship. So, so uh, we we come to find out. Getting getting back to the movie, we come to find out she was he, she was the one that uh, got the scholarship uh, snuffed from her right. because it was like, oh, you know, he he was the one in the the student that was still in L.A. who was able to snag up the scholarship uh, before they looked outside of the state. And she was like, well, I was one of the outside you know students outside state students that applied, but I didn't get it. But you know, it's no big deal. Uh, it's like, because, you know, you worked hard, too, and you deserve it. And it's kind of like that, oh, oh, boy. Oh, this reveal's gonna, oh, boy. <laughs> Tugs a collar. Oh, no. Am I in the wrong? How How is this? How is this how is our intrepid hero gonna get out of this one? <laughs> Perhaps going to law school in blackface maybe wasn't the best decision for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, your, your career is ruined. Like, you can't. <laughs> like, let's just have that. Second, like, I thought it was gonna be all fun and games, but maybe I'm the bad guy here. You can't be studying law and literally your whole degree is built on a lie. Like you can't, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what are you mad? <laughs> and they say Mark Mark Watson went on to become O.J. Simpson's lawyer, with the famous line, "I'm not black, I'm O.J." I get where he's coming from. <laughs> I've been there too. I was black for a couple months. Uh, <laughs> oh man! Oh, we'll get to we'll get to that sentiment in a little bit. <laughs> so 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 like you have the line where he says like yeah you know his friend is like I wouldn't want you turning on me every time I wanted to do something immoral you know it's like oh it's a bit of a laugh line and then he goes like you know C Thomas Howell is like oh what should I do what should I do and he goes like. Uh, go to your room. He's like, what? What do you say? What are you, my dad? Like, why are you telling me to go to my room? And it's just like, uh, go to your room right now. Go see what's in there. He goes in there. Oh, it's the the hot chick from before who just wants to, you know, have sex with him because he's black. And he's like, oh, what? What? What's going on? Oh, what are you doing? What, what's this chick doing here? You gotta get out of here. You can't. You can't be here right now. My black girlfriend's coming over. It becomes the sitcom misunderstanding as, oh, this person needs to be kept in this room, and then this person's parents come over, and they gotta be kept in this room, and- And my parents are in town. Yeah. Oh, God. Now, now I will say, there was, like, the one little funny moment where he goes, like, uh, where he comes in, uh, you know, at first he's wearing, like, the black ski mask so they don't notice him, which looks just really creepy (laughs) initially, but- Oh, yeah, no, he he just looks- 
horrifying. Yeah, but then he forgets to put on the 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 ski mask when he walks in with the black face to the parents again uh, the second time. And he goes like, "Oh fuck!" And this <laughs> is the, the part where the parents are like, "Oh my god, who are you?" And he just goes, uh, "Get down, baby! All right, brother, looking fine, se- sexy fly, mama. All right, well, I gotta get I gotta get a move on now." And he just runs. He just like <laughs> and I love the pedals. Dad, I know, and I love how the dad just goes, D- "Did he have a knife? I, I think he had a knife." <laughs> It was, it was so crazy, too, because I'm like, do you not recognize the clothes and sound of your son's own voice? Like, nothing nothing was a clue in that. Like, I look, I get it. Skin colors can be confusing, but, like, he sounds the same. Right? At the minimum, they're in the same clothes. Sans ski mask. Like, <laughs> right. He didn't change outfits. He didn't spin around like Wonder Woman. <laughs> uh, so, so he then gets... He, he then gets double Rachel Dolezal because uh, he gets invited to, to, to be black representation in this important, you know, litigious lawyer's face. So it's like, oh, yes, we need, you know, James L. Jones is like, we need some black faces in this specific place. So we're choosing you to represent, you know, blackness. And this is like, oh, fuck, you know. Oh, yeah, the, the BLSA. And he's like, we need a strong black face to represent us. And I'm just thinking, Mark, you can say no. Like, you don't have to accept it. Just turn it down. <laughs> That's my thing. It's like, yeah. Well, it's because when he walks into the room, he's thinking he's going to confess uh, to... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He thinks he's caught. He thinks there's a rap. <laughs> the jig is up. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like... And so the way, the way he talks is he says, like, I know exactly what's going on. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I, I'm willing to, you know, own up to it. And he goes like, well, then, you, then you're down for it. All right. Then, then, then. So it's like it becomes one of those things where like, oh, I just agreed to this thing. And, oh, I don't want to back out because then I'd have to be like, I'd have to be admitting to him that I'm doing. Right. Well, why would you back out, Marcus? This is a supreme opportunity. <laughs> that I was, you know, <laughs> which I didn't want to admit, you know? And so, yeah, and so it's one of those, oh, you just dug yourself even deeper, right? Um. So, yeah, and then there's this awfully cut scene where it's like, I, I, they just don't cut it at all, where it's like, he's walking down the hall, then uh, uh, Ju- uh Julie Louise Drivers shows up. Somehow he gets on his glasses while she's walking towards him, which she should be able to see him putting on the glasses to do the, oh, I'm blinding. Right. Like, directly in her line of sight, not, like, two feet away as he shuffles to put them on. I'm just like, so. Yeah, but I guess it's like, oh, yeah, I guess she's not officially looking at him until the audience can see her eyes looking at him or something. (laughs) Right. One One of the least observant, like, cast I think I've ever seen in film where they just like let really obvious goofy shit pass right before their eyes like this is Superman levels of shit yeah like right he put his glasses on he must not be able to see and like the way he'll just like sway like Stevie Wonder I'm just like <laughs> yeah what yeah and then now I love I did love the line where he says uh you know because after the chick is you know in the room uh he goes like Mark Promise me, if there's a hot chick curled up in my bed, you would not do anything to interfere. Promise me that. I need you to promise me that. <laughs> oh, that was a that was a weird moment because Gordon went into the room and just started taking photos of her. He's like, man, bad time for a flashbulb to die. I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. What was that about? Yeah. <laughs> was she cool with that? Like, she was laying there, but she's like... Ugh. I'm done. Where's Mark? I'm like, so are we just not going to talk about what that was? 
just right there, just like waving the polar, like this one's going to the spank bank, baby. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Oh, women in the 80s, they were just, yeah. Oh my God. Okay, okay, now now here, maybe I missed something, but this next part is completely blindsided me, okay? Mm -hmm. So as far as I last remembered, he's going to some sort of BLSA thing to represent for some sort of, uh, uh, you know, litigious thing that requires, you know, black voices or black faces, something to that effect. Right, right. And then he has a conversation with his friend. He's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's like, well, we'll figure it out. And then it's winter. And then all of a sudden they're having a special hearing about C. Thomas Howell's character. And I was like, wait, oh, what happened to the... No, they, they jumped, they jumped, they cut that really quick where it's like, you see that he feels guilty and I think is overwhelmed with all the crap. And I think he talks with Gordon to basically be like, man, I got to come clean. Skip, skip, skip. It's the end of winter. Yeah, it's it just the, the way they just smoothed over it where it's just like, wait, they, they never have a moment where he has to do something and set it up himself. It just seems like, well, here here comes the scene that we know was going to happen eventually. Yeah, we never see him like go really tell anyone directly that he was in blackface. It's just, like, implied. Yeah. It just see Because as I'm watching the movie, yeah, as I'm watching the movie, I'm still thinking it's going to be about the BLSA thing. Right. And so when it's just kind of, oh, we all know we're here for the hearing for uh, Mr. So-and-so's character, I'm like, huh, we do? What? You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's... He, he told somebody that he was white. Was it, um... No, it was his parents. Yeah, he just told his parents... And, uh, did he tell Sarah? No. Uh. I can't remember now. And I watched it. Damn. <laughs> well, I, like, doubled back just to make sure I didn't miss anything. I was like, no, it really just feels like they just switch it and then just don't tell you. And then it's like, oh, is that what we're here for? Oh. Okay, if, if they did do it, they rushed really quick because it's like, it, they jump cut from one to the other, which it was honestly probably several weeks time. Uh, because I can imagine, like, the amount of... It It didn't make a big point of him telling, like, his parents and Sarah. Yeah, yeah, right. Which it should have been, but they didn't linger on it, so they just jump cut to the repercussions of it, I guess. Yeah, I, I just... I felt like the sitcom misunderstanding happened, but it never had the, oh, I've, it's been a lie, I've actually been... You know, like, it, it didn't feel like they really... Yeah, it, yeah, you're right, it, yeah. Like, am I tripping? Like... Yeah, what, what's the... I have a note here. Um... Yeah, Whitney just like oppressed people's some some white woman fetishization. Uh, yeah. Oh wait, no. This this has to do with the actual legal thing that that which I'll give I'll give them that. The monologue from his uh, friend Gordon was actually pretty funny about like the navigating the whole thing. But um, it's it is interesting in his monologue of his like defense of Mark. Or I have here I'm like introducing systemic issues in a matter of Mark being a shitty person is weirdly funny. Because it's unironically an intersectional issue, but Mark is still a shitty person nonetheless. So you're actually using a very grounded and real idea to excuse him just making a very stupid-ass decision. Yeah, as far as I'm seeing, it's just he he leaves, his friend leaves, his friend comes back, the, then the James Earl Jones trial thing starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's, it's just, it, the movie is upon, like, upon us talking about, it. no, it's terribly paid. Yeah. <laughs> it's horribly paid. Because this is a whole, like, academic semester. This is several, this is, like, actually bef longer than that. Because it's him getting accepted, which would be, like, May to like December. This is like a seven month time span. It's like May or June to December, I'm presuming. Yeah. 
And and now I I did like the little joke of like you know the 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 white woman who who earlier she's talking about oh you know black and white oh yeah she moved over to like the Native American guy yeah well for, you know earlier she said like oh with black and white you know not everything is just black and white I think there's like shades of gray between us you know then she so she's like spitting the same game to like this Native American dude is like oh there's no black and red there's shades of pink I was like god damn it woman oh yeah there's no white and red there's shades of that was, that was something I meant to mention. That, that did make me cackle was uh when she was talking about feeling 400 years of oppression in every thrust mark made a face no oh my god in every thrust oh lord mark made a face where he's just like girl what the hell like even he's like that's a really weird thing to say <laughs> even he had to be taken aback like that feeling uh, but it, i i kind of like i was like it's so like a such a dark like you know uh detailed joke because it's like you feel that fetishization like you can't help but feel that fetishization you know with something that right right it's it, it, it's like mark's over there like man if i was really black that would actually hurt my feelings <laughs> yeah i'll be like get the fuck out. <laughs> damn girl that was offensive as i'm offended on behalf i think that's the one moment mark had solidarity with black people like it's like oh the pussy was great but whoa that was too far <laughs> that you you said something a little too far hmm you know i was trying to think like do you remember the uh eddie murphy white like me skit from snl infamous right um i feel like i do i haven't seen it since i was like probably a child back in the day we used to rent the best of eddie murphy because of course we did mm -hmm. and like of course the like the climax skit was was that one because it's like oh this is the, the the most genius skit where it's like you know eddie murphy you know dresses up in in white face and kind of goes about on the town to sort of see what it's like and right. you know there's scenes where he gets on the bus and it's like oh when the la last black person leaves all of a sudden it's a party on the bus and you know if you go to the, <laughs> if you go to the white banks and you're white they'll just give you like thousands of dollars you don't need to pay it back because you know you're white who gives a shit you know right uh, <laughs> so it's like it would have been interesting if like the premise of the movie was something like there's a some sort of thing where it's like a black friend trying to like corral a white friend into doing some sort of experiment. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, mm -hmm. where there's a more direct sort of like a black person being able to have that reaction in film of being like, yeah, okay, that's what you get. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Cause it just feels a little too, we're supposed to be hinged on now the white guy gets it. it like, I think that's the problem. It, the movie hinges too much on that. And it's like, uh, you know, it's just, <laughs> Which is even weirder because in the text of the movie, in that last scene with James Earl Jones, he straight up says he'll never get it. Yeah, and it... Which I guess is the point. And it's... Yeah, but it's so... Uh, it's so not executed, right? Like, because because the thing... Because the cutesy thing, thing about the moment is, is that James Earl Jones is supposed to give him, you know, let him go because he gets that he doesn't get it. And it's... <laughs> Yeah, like like give him props on all the all the uh, reparations that he's gonna pay for the rest of his life, which I'm like, good as well. He damn should. I don't feel bad for him in this scene. I don't know if you wanted me to, but I don't. Right. See, that's the thing. What it should have been is you're already doing what you need to be doing. Good enough. You know what I mean? That's what it should have been. You don't get a handshake. You don't get it. Yeah. It's like it's like that's a good start, but then like he has that line where he's like, "Well, finally, you know what it's like to be in black." She's like, "Actually, I'll never know what it's like because I get to take it off." And I'm like, "Hmm, something about that line." Yeah, 
it's like, oh, oh, James Earl Jones had to be schooled for a second. Oh, James Earl Jones. I think that's what I don't like about it. James Earl Jones, who hasn't really, like, had a reason to care about him at any point in the movie. You know, he's just one of his students. And then it's just like. Yeah, like, he, he suddenly gives a shit <laughs> near in the last 40 minutes. Like, I think the idea is that, oh, because I saw you getting beaten up earlier. And so, like, ah, I see that you have the true experience but then for the white guy to go like, no, I don't actually know. And then James, uh, actually, what the lesson was that you should have responded that you didn't know. Uh, so when, earlier when I said that you didn't know, I guess I was wrong. I, you know, it, it's weird because he makes a statement that is inherently wrong so that Mark can be right about his lack of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't make sense because... He knows he doesn't know. They both know he doesn't know. So it's a weird thing to say because he's going to look at him and go, it's like, yeah, you'll never get it. And he's like, yeah, I never get it. See, see, and that's what I think. Like, if it was for some sort of experiment, if he was doing this for some sort of like. <laughs> it's a it's a social experiment, bro. Thing, right? Like some sort of stupid newspaper thing. And then it gets revealed, like, of him saying, I thought I would really understand the experience, but honestly, I didn't really get that much experience. Which I think that's an actual movie. I think that's that movie, uh, Black Like Me, that came out in the 60s, which is probably what White Like Me is making fun of. Yeah, John Howard Griffin, where he pretends to be, uh, it's a book. Right, right. Because cause, cause there is a specific line where he says, Cause I, I could take it off at the end of the day. Like, yeah. if it would have built up, like, I thought I understood this and da-da-da, but then I realized I can take it off. So I don't really under like stay, like then that would have been the James L. Jones moment to be like, hmm, maybe he does kind of get a little bit of something here. Like, you know, maybe. Yeah, if, if James Earl Jones didn't have the line preceding it, I think the, the whole scene would have worked. But that one line that he has before it. Yeah, because then it would be a, a sitting of humility on the white character's part instead of. Yes. Uh, oh, wait, then the black guy learned to lose it. Like, it just feels a little silly. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the. the yeah, because essentially he's he's correcting him. And I'm not saying that like we're infallible about our experiences or whatever, but it's like Mark needed to come to, I know he, we know he came to that conclusion, but he should have addressed that independent of James Earl Jones kind of initiating it by be by making a silly statement. <laughs> and, and you know what it is? It's like, it, it would have been cool if there was a scene cause like him turning black and him turning white, like it's never hard. He's just able to do it. Yeah. If there was just some sort of scene where it's like, oh, he needed to be black in this instance, and then, oh, he can be white in this instance, and now everything's okay. Right. You know what I'm saying? If there was, like, a scene where you actually saw that tension present, where, oh, my God, he was actually about to face some consequences for being black, and then, oh, he's white, and now it's okay, and then having that moment of, like, oh, wow, that's the connection point moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, Which I guess that's what the intention was of that collision course scene of, like, Whitney and Sarah and his parents all showing up at the same time. But I guess. It, it's more so just, like, a family guy comedy bomb under the table type scenario, not the, the literal double conscious theme taken to a, a literal context of, I need to be white at this time. I need to be in this space. I need to be black in this time in this instance. And I can't do both. I, I physically cannot do both. So it is. it would be a physical representation of a like sociological um, phenomena where it's like, yeah, we have to be acceptably black in some spaces and ourselves uh, culturally black in others. And they can't always coexist. So it's like if you have you have the choice to be white or black, and you you in this instance are pulled 
in both the re- so essentially you have this choice to be acceptable or unacceptable and you have the freedom to choose and then he comes to that conclusion at the end because of that right but it's not in the text really it's just like a weird instance of like oh no the girl i'm hooking up with is here and my girlfriend's coming over and my parents are here and the prom's tomorrow like <laughs> but but you get what I mean, uh, fellow audience member yeah. listening. But it's like they were like so close. They just like fumbled the fucking ball. They're they're so close, so very close. Also, okay, is it mm. bad that like they just randomly made Sarah a single mother? Okay, I'm not saying it is bad, but it's like it added nothing to yeah, it. That, that felt kind of out of nowhere. She had a kid that almost got abandoned at the end of the movie when they walked off into. The the sunset like yeah and it felt like they tried to double back on it by being like oh she's a single mother but but she was still married like it's not like it was like she was 15 or something like yeah it's like it wasn't out of wedlock they got divorced but i'm just like i'm like but again this added yeah like it just felt like they were just like huh it didn't add anything really to sarah's care. like at first i thought it was her little brother which i thought that would have been way interesting where I'm just like, oh, she's raising her brother? That's what I thought at first, and I, was, and I felt so bad for that kid, because that kid was a pretty good actor. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, she's raising her brother and maintaining school? That's a lot of responsibility. Wow, like, maybe she had a hard situation. Like, no, nah, she's a single mom that, like, stays with her grandparents and raises her son. I'm just like, and she's divorced. I'm like, well, yeah. at least he's divorced. But it's like, you, you threw in a random stereotype that didn't need to be there? Yeah, yeah. That, that. Like, with a minor adjustment, it's like, well, he's not a deadbeat, or, well, her husband's not dead. Um, so, you know, it's just like... It just felt unnecessary in, in, a, in a character that wasn't even that fleshed out in the first place. Why even have that there? Yeah, like... It's unnecessary, because it's like, it's like the, the Harvard Law School aspect is stress enough. I, I feel like you could do... It's, it is its own thing. Imagine being a black woman who wants to be a lawyer. Is that not enough? You know? Yeah. It's like, that's enough stress. She, she made it a point. But as I was watching this movie, I was thinking, like, where's the part where he gets called out for it? Where's the part where it's the, oh, like, you know what I'm saying? The part where it's like, hey, wait a minute, aren't you supposed to be this guy? Right. But you're this guy. And then the whole student body, like, sees and it becomes that moment. You know, like, it. The, the- well, it almost happened in the uh, in the courtroom scene because the other guy comes. And he's like, I have proof that Mark is a white man. And he just like gets the, the wind taken from under his sails. But it's just like, but nobody in that scene was even like freaking out. Exactly. And like, did anyone even know? Like, <laughs> even when he comes in, like Sarah leaves. She's like, a white man. Oh, God. You didn't tell me you were Caucasian this whole time. Yeah, like, how invested were these people in his blackness beforehand? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I thought something was good. This is what, this is the thing. I thought they were going to go to the BLSA thing, and there was something that was going to happen where it's like, oh, some kind of sitcom, like, some music comes on, and he doesn't understand it. It's like, what? A black person doesn't understand it? And then and then him trying to come up with an excuse, and then the black people be like, that doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? Right. And then, like, you know what I'm saying? Having there be, and then maybe the chemical, the chemical, like, wears off or something like that. And then it's like, what in the hell's happening? Like, you know, some sort of big moment like that, you know? Like, I, I, and speaking on that, I love the fact that we just never get a transformation sequence for him being black. Which I kind of wish they would have had the balls to go ahead and do of just him slowly becoming negrified and like putting on the Jerry Curl wig and everything. Uh, like a thriller thing. <laughs> 
Like, like, would it not be hilarious to see him run into a room un like unmelanated and then like he takes some pills and you see it and it's like his skin gets darker, but he forgets the wig and he runs out with his like two way hair, just like, oh no, my hair. It's like, hey, Mark, nice do, bro. Didn't know you were into getting perms. It's like, oh my God, my wig. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's what I wrote down. It feels like it's just understood that he's been found out, but when did that happen? When did it happen? We didn't see it. That's what I was wrote down. Yeah. <laughs> when did it happen that this meeting needed to be called? It just seemed like it was just like, it was a meeting that's happening and we all know it's about him, but we don't know what it's for yet. And he's going to reveal it. It's like, why would everyone who's coming to this meeting, who cares? What is this? You know, like, what is the scenario? Yeah. Now, now again, I did like how they ended where it's just like he gives her the money uh, plus more and, you know, he's going to work at, at, at this uh, place to um, pay out the debt. Yeah, for like civil rights services for, for... His father gives, yeah, his father gives him a loan at 25% interest. Which is insane, like Jesus, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, I, 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 you know what, actually... Yeah, I mean, you know, when you put on blackface, you got that shit coming, bro. <laughs> there is that sort of... Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. Okay, it's it's harsh only because his dad is adding the interest. I'm not saying that's not deserved because he was in blackface. But again, his dad is still the root cause of everything leading through the decision this movie. All right, yeah. How about you just give me back the money first that you lied to me about giving me initially <laughs> and then go from there. Right. It's like, here's the thing. How about just don't give him the money and make him work for it himself? <laughs> oh, man. Maybe maybe that'll teach him the value. Because it's like giving him the loan doesn't teach him the value, even with 25% interest. Congrats. He will owe you more money that he may not pay off. Right. Yeah, I just didn't like, like, James Earl Jones, he just has the moment where he just looks to the side and just looks back in a sort of sly, like, hmm, you know, we'll drop the charges, you can stay. And, and, and I'm just having this moment where, like, dude, this college's reputation would be destroyed, like, <laughs> if news got out. I mean, knowing Harvard, they'd find a way to, to get rid of it. I mean, he, he would just switch back races and they pretend it never happened. It's like, oh, some some uppity Negro named Marcus. That was another thing they called him, Marcus. Just imagine, though, if the news got out. Oh, a yeah. A black man at Harvard allowed a, a, a white dude pretending to be black to stay a lawyer and let him graduate and become a lawyer representing cases uh, he could represent you and me. He'd be fucking disbarred. Uh, actually, it's not that far from reality because remember, Mindy Kaling's brother did that. Oh. Yeah, he wrote a book about it. We just tied it back into the real world. <laughs> yeah, I, I... So, so, so is this fantasy or is this uh, reality? <laughs> Goddamn! Yeah, like, like, granted, he's Indian, but he still put on blackface to bank off of affirmative action and then made a book about it. Jesus Christ, dude. Man, the Kalix is all fucked up, man. Like... <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I think she she doesn't talk about it because she's like, I think she came out and admitted it's like, no, that was wrong of him. But, like... I know, but just imagine being, like, the mom of these two and being like, damn, my my son <laughs> falsely appropriated. it. The fact that we all know somebody tried it once and it worked, I don't know how they 
Like, oh man. Yeah. Dude, that makes me think, like, man, w- would it be a, have been more realistic if he would have just pretended to be Indian? Because he looked more like that fucking anyway. <laughs> yeah, sadly. No disrespect to the Indian community, but Jesus, he would have had a better bet. <laughs> no, no disrespect. But I mean, <laughs> it's just fucked up that that works in real life. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, oh yeah, that, that did happen for real the once. I mean, it's like that, uh, like there's that that case of the, the opposite sort of happened. There was a black guy right. running around uh, committing robberies in a white guy mask. And he didn't get caught until he uh, took his mask off. And I think it's because they pulled him over for something else and found all the shit he stole. Oh man! They pull, he got he got arrested when he was black. <laughs> Which I'm like, damn. <laughs> but but he had white privilege for a while. He he got he had white privilege on borrowed time. <laughs> He was banking off, which I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> At that point, it's like, well, you're arresting the wrong guy. Dude, you should have used that white skin for something, for like investing in land or something. <laughs> right. It's like, you you were using your powers for the wrong evil. You should have thrown that into some offshore bank accounts and some invest, some insider trading. You had the complexion <laughs> for the protection. You should have. Yeah, exactly. And then by the time you ripped off people, then, then it wouldn't have mattered. You would have become an institution that people had. You're too big to fail, you know. Yeah, every every time people try to try to pull the transracial race swap card, like they never do anything that actually. Well, I guess sort of Rachel, but nobody else really ever does anything to help. Like, isn't this that that the weirdest case is like I want to be black so that I can help black people through me being there but i'm standing in the way of a black person who could actually help so i <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah the the weirdest thing about rachel is uh aside from the fact that she was a board member of her community's NAACP she's also weirdly good at not weirdly she has two black sons but she's good at braiding hair we don't want to admit it but <laughs> it is something i've observed this shit you can learn you know you can pick up shit <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like, I. it is a skill, but it is just, it's something you don't see every day. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, like, I remember when that whole thing broke, it was like, the worst I felt for it was for the kids. Like, imagine. Yeah, I felt really bad for her kids. Finding out your mom isn't really black, and they just had to be like, uh, have mom. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't, I don't feel bad for Rachel, but knowing the context of how she got exposed is a little disheartening. It's just a minor aside. It it had, I think her siblings were adopted and they are black. And the siblings were, com- one of the sisters was coming out uh, about abuse from the family. Wow. So to kind of distract the case, they're like, well, she's pretended to be a black woman and it moved all the attention away. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Whoa. Holy shit. It is insane. Man, the way the natural world and all of these stories come out, it is insane, right? Right. I don't it's remember weird. that at all. <laughs> that part wasn't the part that made... I have to go and, like, I think there's a documentary about it on Netflix, so I've he- heard this secondhand. That's madness. But that's how Rachel got attention, because the other family member was like, well, she's pretending to be a Negro, so let- let's focus on... <laughs> Like you're in the middle of going through like abuse. <laughs> yeah. I don't think she's the best witness to go off of. She thinks she's black. And it's just kind of like, wait, you think you're black? Like, Oh man. Yeah. That would naturally Whoa. distract everyone's attention from the whole abused by family thing. Oh, <laughs> it's like, wow. wait a minute. Hold on a second. <laughs> Let's. I just like went cross-eyed for a second. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's like they're abusing me. It's like what abuse? Well, uh, she thinks she's black. It's like wait a second. <laughs> See the audience all shift to the right. Like she does what? <laughs> I, uh, uh, like it's one of those things like I mean both things can be true but it is really hard to focus on one thing when now that that other information has come up <laughs> yeah it's like wait we need to get back to that but first <laughs> yeah we're not gonna treat like that like that was just normal <laughs> yeah like and, and I guess tying back to the movie I don't know how he just kind of walks away from this yeah that, that's the thing like, like he he still wins like he's still at the school for some reason like Ray Don Chong still is like, well, I'll give the interracial thing a chance. Like he makes the worst argument. He's like, how do you feel about interracial relationships? Which is a really weird thing to say. She never answers. The reality is, as a lawyer, his life would be destroyed. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. just go on lawyering being the guy who lied about being black. Right, like, I, I think that would make all of his cases just inadmissible. It's like, oh, bro, that was like three years ago. Okay, and? Uh, right. <laughs> like you're in a court case and he's like, imagine he comes in and he's your uh, defense attorney. They're like, we finna damn lose. <laughs> they brought in the black white guy. Oh shit. Uh, right. Like, look, look, mother- motherfuckers already have a hard enough just uh, putting on blackface at a party or some shit 20 years ago. Right. Imagine trying to be a black person. <laughs> And the thing is, he has to go in and do, like, community service, helping, like, giving, like, law and civil tips to the community. They're not going to trust him. He's like, nah, bro, you're the black-white guy. I saw you two weeks ago. Right. <laughs> you were you were in the papers. I know it's 1986. I heard about you on the radio. And, oh, so, yeah, it sets up that, that, that thing right before he gets exposed where it's like, oh, you know, uh, w- would you ever be with a, how do you feel about interracial dating? You know, that sort of thing. And originally, yeah, that's the thing. The thing that gets exposed in that moment, the big thumb of that moment when he asks like, oh, how do you feel about interracial dating after all that kerfuffle is that the white girl gets found in his bedroom. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, is that why you mentioned inter- interracial dating? Cause you wanted to cheat on me. And so like, I think that's also what I didn't like. It's just like, the sitcom misunderstanding ends up not being about the very elephant of the room of him not being black. Yeah. It's about, oh, the interracial dating, dating a white woman. What? It's like, well, it wouldn't be about dating a white woman. It would be you cheated on me, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it's very, it's all over the, the damn map where it's just like, oh, yeah, there's a completely huge thing that we're it's it's like the rachel dole's all thing yeah there's a giant thing in the room but we're gonna ignore that for this other relatively innocuous no we gotta go back to the whole like racism part yeah well well, not even that you cheated on me because they weren't like together i guess at that point but just that like okay you're obviously clearly you know betting this other woman and yet you're acting like you're interested in me yeah like right versus like asking him it's like are you cheating on me mark Versus, I'm mad, now I'm leaving. It's like, well, if y'all have been dating this much, that like, I, it's another case of, if you had talked this out, it probably would have been slightly less bad. Yeah, yeah. But because you need drama in a movie for no, re- like, manufactured, simple, stupid drama, it's like, oh my god, he cheated on me with the white girl he slept with before. It's like, well, just... I mean, ask him. I feel like he'd be, he seemed very much not interested in very aggressive about getting her out. Because if he said, no, she snuck into my room because my goofy ass roommate let her in. Like, 
I feel like it'd be, oh, okay. Yeah, because that is what happened. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's a weird thing for him to do, but I understand your goofy-ass roommate because I know him through you. It's like, yeah, it's like, no, I didn't want to sleep with her. She could probably confirm, no, we haven't slept together in several months. Yeah. Unless she, it's, well, you know black men lie. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, no. Oh, I did, I did like a little bit of a, a little bit of a joke where they were like, oh, you know, some of the things are true about black men, the, the animal lust, but I guess the size thing isn't true. And it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> right. Uh, even he was like, even he was like, well, damn. <laughs> it's like, you just don't give a shit. Um, but now, okay, now the way that they end the movie, the, the little anti-climax climax is, you know, it's the emotional beat of going like, oh, you know, so you never answered, like, would you, you know, be into interracial dating? And it's like, man, talk about the worst time to bring that up after <laughs> like, right. hey, I know we were supposed to be black and maybe we could have had a shared experience. But now that I'm white, are you still cool with it? <laughs> like, um, it's like hear, hear me out, girl. I know. <laughs> I know I was just like one of the most offensive things you can do, but now that I'm a white man and all my privileges is, is back, uh-huh. right? I'm like, well, that would make sense that he doesn't get her after every all of the everything that he did. <laughs> now, now, and, and she gave a pretty good answer. I would say it's like I was gonna say, you know, like you know, she's like, I would never be with the white dude just because I, I feel like the experiences are too different, and maybe I just couldn't relate to you. And it's like, and now, I, not necessarily a sentiment that I agree with it, but I understand why someone would feel that way, right? And it was just like, okay, like so, it, it kind of actually feels like a moment where you're gonna be like, huh, maybe this is gonna end with like, you know, the guy doesn't get the girl, you know, because that makes a good, that makes a good point, right? Like he stole her scholarship, had a terrible often like was pretty negligent towards her in the beginning of their relationship and then and that's that's without even getting into the blackface part he was just not a great guy i mean jesus christ yeah after he stole her scholarship like no you don't just get to hook up with the chick that you just stole the scholarship from before the blackface he just sucked right it's just like nah man you you sucked before the blackface like don't don't get it twisted. It's, it's like, no, no, Mark. You're a you're a bad dude. Yes, that's the thing. It's like he was a, a shitty person. <laughs> right? That's what it's like before we even get... Oh, is it because I did a little bit of blackface? It's like, well, it's like, well, that's kind of the icing on the cake. It certainly didn't help. Yeah, that's my thing. It's like, you don't even just... Like, before we... That's my point. Like, before we even get to the blackface, you've just been a shitty person. <laughs> to her as far as she's concerned yeah that's the thing yeah but but he just he just somehow mark comes out completely fine of this like there would be no ram other than his pockets hurting forever i'm like mm. <laughs> yeah it should have been like yo i don't think you understand you're a bad person <laughs> i don't want to be affiliated with you. oh he hit them hard as hell that I was surprised. I'm like, what kind of black power fist did you hit them with? Uh, I just did a little bit of racism <laughs> as a treat. <laughs> oh man! They they flew aclo- across the room into separate tables. I'm like, what Superman put? Was he empowered by the spirits of Martin and Malcolm? Yeah. Well, well, because. He, uh, 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 the two racist dudes that have been there the whole time, cracking jokes the whole time. White power fist! <laughs> he, cha- yeah, he, yeah, he, he knocks the shit out of him. In fact, 
<laughs> it was like it was like it was like all for one from my hair academia is like by the power channeling my white privilege from generations to generations i, I think it, like he knocks that dude so hard like chocolate milk gets on that one dude's face so it kind of looks like he's in black face <laughs> like damn you knocked the black face on it <laughs> Oh, white! Uh, no, 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 that was his white power. That was, that was his white power. White power, whole <laughs> Privilege smashed! Used against white power. <laughs> the ultimate lesson. <laughs> all white! <laughs> all, all white? The power of all white! <laughs> made it kind of worth it <laughs> the my hero academia joke almost made this kind of work you know what i i think i'd be more sympathetic if he was like behind bars or some shit like serving some actual time writing letters and then she decided to visit him one day and then they kind of have to reform the foundation of their relationship now that she sees him as a white man that's actually, I don't know, taking accountability for the bullshit that he did. Uh, oh, <laughs> because, yeah, like right after that, it's like, oh, you punched out two white guys and they're probably going to sue you now. Well, now I'm interested in you. And it's like you were willing to you were willing to go to jail for, raise, you know, act, hey, maybe as a <laughs> <laughs> You're willing to continue risking your career uh, just to punch out these white dudes. Oh, he's dedicated to the cause. <laughs> he's like, I'm glad you got the scholarship. You know, it's hard out here. And I realized what I did was really, really wrong. And I hurt a lot of people, including you. Right. Like fraud, what could probably be considered a hate crime. Um, <laughs> mm. Like... At the minimum, it's like there's some sort of like ramification. I mean, he talked, James Earl Jones talked about all the shit that could happen to somebody besides expulsion and like legal action. So it's like if he was inside like a cell and he wrote her letters, he's like, I've been trying to reach out for you for like three months. I never gave up. You know, you're always so inspiring, like all these positive things. And she's like, right, right. Prison. <laughs> okay, we'll see. We'll see what happens in like several months when you get out. And then, like, it's like that. It's like, oh, shit. Consequences. Like, other than my... Like, it, it basically... Because what it implies is the... the You don't get... He doesn't get socially ostracized, really. Like, he has to work. But he has to work. Mm. All, all of his consequences are financial. There's nothing social. People aren't acting super weird to him, like, after that. Other than her for, like, five minutes... Like, right. He was black for five months. Every, every, you know, every white person have that. A rumschnigger. Like, it's. He doesn't have to deal with the fact of everyone knowing that he is this guy who pretended to be black. Like, that's gonna have some consequences. Like, every, every white person does a black, a subblactical every year for college. You've never, you haven't done one. You didn't go overseas and swap races. You know, you didn't go to Mexico and, and say you were an indigenous person for six, for a semester. You know, really get in deep with that cultural influence. <laughs> Rumpsniggas. <laughs> <laughs> right it's like you didn't you didn't want to spend a summer abroad in korea learning dances and how to like fry chicken and you know about just like the culture and everything oh uh, i didn't i didn't know that was an option <laughs> damn i would have gone to hawaii but yo i'm Samoan. hey what's going on 
It's like, yeah, we, we all have one of those. That's <laughs> water under the bridge, as they say. Oh, God. <laughs> white. <laughs> Everything's all right, because it's all white. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus, crow. But, yeah, that's this movie, and everything was all right, because it's all white. You know, that would have been a great ending joke, where it's like, <laughs> it's like, wait, I- <laughs> he hands him a card, just a white card. I think you'll be needing this back. <laughs> like if James L. Jones was like, I, you're not going to suffer any consequences because now that you are white, you have your white privilege reinstated. Like that would have been the dark humor underneath. <laughs> See, that would have been interesting. And he's like, like him on, in the council board means like, yeah, everyone else on the board is like, uh, I think it'll be water under the bridge. It's like, yeah, James L. Jones is still a black man in a white private institution in a PWI. So it's like that that would have been an interesting scene to have, but no. Like like he tries to punish him, but then the white people above him go like, no, 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 he's fine. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> nah. <laughs> like James Earl Jones tries to penalize him, but he can't. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I almost want to like write a new version that I think could honestly be hilarious. Mm, right. In the 80s. Yeah. This movie didn't have the balls. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. I'm like, remake bad movies. I, I am desperately, desperately clawing for a Lawnmower Man remake. Yeah. you know, th- This feels like one of those movies where it's like, you know how people remake movies, but they only remake good movies. And it's like, what's the point of remaking this good movie that everyone already knows is good? Right. Like uh, infamously bad movies. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, this is perfect. This is ripe for it. an infamously bad movie. Everyone knows about it. No one wants to touch it. But like the specific idea of flipping it on purpose and knowing that like working with like i know what you think the reputation of this movie is and now we're going to work with that to make this new version that would be brilliant i think you know there's only like one white person i think i could trust to potentially do this remake mel brooks mel (laughs) brooks he's the the only one i think that could maybe pull it i can't think of any other white director that could possibly like anyone else. I would want a black director. I want somebody mm. who was probably born around the time this movie came out. So somebody in their thirties and forties, maybe somebody younger. But if there were to be any white person who could hypothetically do it, it would only be Mel. I can't think of anyone else who who maybe maybe yeah. maybe Bill Burr. Maybe Bill Burr. He's the only one I know who can strike that line because he's done the Chitlin circuit. Like a white guy who's like tuned in with black people, you know? Yeah. Like Bill Burr is that white guy who I know because I followed his career long. He was at the Shaq All-Star special back when he had hair. I was, it was on the tip of my tongue where it's like Bill Burr has that sharp, sat, satirical wit. Where, and it's one of those things where... You can tell is actually listening. Bilber is very in touch with towing that line. That's why he went on SNL and said, let me talk to my bitches. And I'm like, every black person was like, we like him. Wait a second. He's on to something. <laughs> like, yeah. And it, yeah. And it's one of those things where like, you know, he actually has a black woman in his life who like tells him shit. Like, <laughs> right. It's like Bill, Bill Burr is like, is a, a writer on this. I think is one of the few that could actually get it and thread that needle because I've seen his stand up enough to know that he can do it there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He knows, he knows. He's tuned, he t- he's onto us. He's, <laughs> he's, he's one of the few, like he had. A, he has a whole bit about being white, talking to his black wife about Elvis and then having to come around and be like, 
Oh yeah, those are some pretty good points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or or also having the like the jokes where he talks about the like eh, if we had like you know if we had enough of the uh, the what are those movies you know the 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 trauma porn black movies that are just about making white. Oh yeah, he like, has that whole stand up bit about like those Hillary Swank movies. Go to the kid, they teach him how to dance. And <laughs> yeah, he's the one who's like called that shit out, right? Yo, 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 what's up? He's like, some effeminate husband comes in with a smock, just like, hey, honey, it's gonna be okay. You're gonna make it through it. They turn a hat backwards. She's dancing on tabletops. <laughs> yeah, like, because it calls out how corny that is, because it's like, that's not how real black people, like, if you actually hang with black people, that's not how it really is. Like, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, he teaches him how to dance. (laughs) (laughs) They were the first all-black ping-pong team. Yeah, and I love how he points out the, like, you know, the real racism is subtle. It's not just the, oh, the black people can't be in the pool. Like, that's not all the racist guys. No, the black, the real racist guys are the guys going, is that a black guy? Like, that's the real racism, you know? Get out of the pole! They're gonna think you're bad, Ping Pong! (laughs) He's so funny that allusions to his jokes make you laugh. (laughs) Get out of the pole! (laughs) Oh my god. Is that what we're down to? Right. Swimming? (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, that's a. Oh, it's it's illuminating, all right. Oh, he, he's a treasure. Uh, but yo, <laughs> enough just ripping off his shit. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for joining us on this illustrious journey. <laughs> uh, if you want to, how ironic, if you want to go support this show, go to ko-fi.com slash rapcritic to do direct requests or patreon.com slash rapcritic to hear those episodes early. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Review A New Podcast. And until next time, I'm DJ. And I'm Will the Greatest. And I am dark and you are light. You are blind as a bat and I have sight side by side. You are my anemigo. Negro, let's not fight. Negro, let's not fight. Ebony and ivory, just living in perfect harmony. We're talking salt and pepper. Sammy and me, Stevie and me are peachy kings.